0: Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a cool episode with Lorenzo Sartini and Brady Miller of GoHunt.com and these guys are about to embark on a great backcountry hunt in Colorado for high country mule deer and I'm excited to talk to these guys today to figure out what kind of gear they're taking and how their prep went for their hunt and Hopefully, we'll hear from them when they get back with a couple of big bucks. Guys, how you doing? Good, Jay. How are you? Uh, great, Lorenzo. Brady, how are you, hey, buddy? Excited to be on and uh, even more excited to make the drive tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me, you guys, um, how this hunt came about and, and how, how you've been planning for it and how this all happened.
1: So, as a... As... The the benefits of being in the hunting industry for a guy like Brady Miller, um, part of his part of his um, job compensation is a landowner tag. So uh, him and I were kind of were, we're trying to decide. I wanted to do a high country mule deer hunt. It's been a bucket list hunt of mine for a long time. Um, I just kind of love backpack hunting is my favorite way to hunt, and I've only done it for sheep. Uh, so in my in mule deer is my favorite animal to go after. So now to be able to tie the two hunts together has kind of been a dream for me. So when I started talking to Brady, being the extremist archer that he is and all the backcountry hunts he's been on, um, we started trying to team up and create a hunt that him and I both could go on. So once I, uh, fig- once we figured out that that was a possibility, I basically turned the reins over to him and let him do all the research. So it went, it went uh, just about like that.
0: That's awesome. And tell me how um, using the Hunt Insider, um, how you guys have prepared for this hunt. Um, I'm real curious about that. So how we found where we were
1: going to go, um, we leveraged our insider network. Um, a lot of the guys that we're plugged into and, and kind of um, know the things that we write up on and that we like to keep track of. So we tapped into those guys, those close guys to us. Um, we also tapped into our trophy search, our Boone and Crockett tables tried to figure out what the quality of animals would be like um, really to narrow down and, and get the, the heaviest amount of research done because neither Brady or I have been to Colorado on a high, high country hunt. So we, um, we had to do a lot of our at home research to, to feel comfortable. Um, and then once we, once we narrowed down to certain units, we started using the actual unit profiles to figure out um, what style of hunt really would fit him and I, um, him and I are both, pretty pretty active guys. So we like the big country, get away from everything type stuff. So uh, Brady Brady went to town on Google Earth and, and uh, we figured out what we needed. Yeah, lots of good glassable terrain. That's kind of what I was looking for for this. You know, we love using our optics and then, uh, you know, comparing it with the Boone and Crockett trophy search as well as, you know, kind of a higher success rate than, you know, I've kind of been seeing for an archer unit. So that coupled together is, you know, perfect situation for both of us maybe to get in there and tag out two bucks in 10 days
0: so yeah nice and so guys um you guys are going to be 10 days in the back country um i'm real curious to get into the gear um that that you're going to be using um but but first so you, you you use the maps to try and figure out high country basins and what have you roughly what elevation are you going to be hunting at and what is the terrain going to be like? Oh, uh, pretty much we're starting. I mean, we have like a two and a half, three thousand
1: foot climb just to get into our uh, basin. we're mainly going to be hunting between uh, like 11 and a half and 13,000. Um, to try to find, you know, some of these good basins that are, have a lot of, you know, open, slightly timbered terrain. So they get good, good bedding habitats. So I always feel like, you know, you need that up in the high country. And then, uh, you know just looking for a lot of groceries and that's what we like really keyed on and you know I think being at this being how rugged it is and it's you know still six and a half seven miles just to get in there I think you know we're gonna have low hunting pressure hopefully you know, we've never set foot in there we've just had you know scouting from the computer right now so we're hoping to get in there tomorrow after tomorrow night and hike through the night and then uh Thursday morning right away start scouting so it's kind of a mystery of what we're going to find right away but we feel like we have it pretty pretty much narrowed down and have a million GPS points already, already marked down on the, on everything. So we're hoping, you know,
0: get a good base start and have a you know bunch of good glassing points already marked down. We're going to try to hit right away. So you're going to hike all night, hopefully get in there, hike in there with the flashlights, get in there. And, um, you've looked with Google earth. So you kind of have an idea of how things lay out and how those glassing points lay out. Cool. And it sounds like fun. You're just going to go totally exploring just a total adventure, never having stepped foot in there. Um, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we call it a bonsai trip in the office. It's kind of a, it's
1: fun for me. I love the adventure of hunting. That's one of the, one of the, my biggest perks of it. Um, The unknown kind of that, that that's what keeps me going. You never know what's going to be in the basin that you're hiking into, especially when it's new and you've never been in there before. It's just, I'm an optimist. So I'm, I'm always thinking great things. Uh, So it keeps me, keeps me going. And like Brady said, I mean, we, with, with go hunt, we obviously have responsibilities we have to carry out on a day to day basis, so we're going to leave Vegas uh tomorrow in the afternoon, drive about twelve hours through the night um, make the seven mile hike through through the night basically we'll take off about midnight one a m try to get there try to get to the top before the sun comes up and that's that's what is making me so excited right now i just i can't wait to get to the top and wait for the sun to come up and see what see what we turn up right away yeah so it 's like the uh the unknown. It's kinda yeah. what we're gonna experience. You know, we have all these cliffs marked on our GPS that we hopefully won't run into and get cliffed out on our trail into the the first glassing spot. So yeah. that's gonna be
0: it. <laughs> A seven mile hike could turn into a fourteen mile hike really quick if we pick the wrong the wrong trek. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I would ask you, Lorenzo, have you seen how long Brady's legs are? Good night. You're gonna be following that kid up the up the ridge. Holy smoke. I have to Stand next to him while him
1: looking down at me having conversations. So yeah, I know that's what's <laughs> in my head the whole time is, I don't know how the hell I'm going to keep up with the guy, but I'm going to yeah. give it a try.
0: If I were you, I'd put rocks in the bottom of his pack because I've seen him hike. He can't even keep him. in we right, already, we're
1: already, we're divvying up who's gonna who's gonna take in what for their for their backpack, and I'm already making sure his his weight's 20 pounds more than mine.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, um, I have a funny story about that uh, probably. 15 20 years ago dar and i um backpacked um down in unit 32 for coos deer and um, my cousin was just maybe right in college and just uh my cousin jimmy and he was just young you know whippersnapper just you know strong and all ready to go and you know he 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 loves dar and i to death and we love him but you know we have a lot of fun with him and We said, Jim, we'll pack all the packs and we're packing everything. You know, we'll pack your pack. We'll bring it down. So all you have to do is meet us at the trailhead and we'll go. So he gets down there and and, um, his pack was, I mean, absolutely loaded to the gills. (laughs) And he backs up to the back, the tailgate of the truck and we put this thing on him and he kind of, his legs kind of buckle and he goes, What do you got in here? And we said, They're all the same. (laughs) So, you know, being a tough guy, you know, he straps his his uh, strap and he says which way and i said that way and he says all right follow me and so he off he goes so we're getting our packs laughing because we know what we did and we didn't think he'd just take off well the trail we went was this huge switchback for probably the first mile just back and forth just straight up gaining elevation the whole way and and um about halfway up we we finally catch up with him and he's laying on the trail and he's got the thing zipped open And he's pulling stuff out and he gets to the bottom, and there was a 12 pack of Dr. Pepper in the bottom of the backpack. And he looks and he goes, I knew it. I knew not to trust you guys. And he's, you know, and he puts everything back in the pack, including the Dr. Pepper. He zips it up, puts it on, and goes all the way to the top. And you- we laugh about to this day he carried a whole 12-pack of Dr. Pepper up there. And darn, I mainly did it as a joke. But um, awesome. So I, th- I think you ought to do that to Brady, yeah, Lorenzo. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Maybe a 12-pack of beer. Um, guys, what kind of um, tr- trophy quality are you expecting? I mean, what kind of bucks are you thinking?
1: I'll, I'll start that's a good question for me uh, i I mean everybody everybody knows what Colorado is capable of especially in their in their uh, known to be trophy units so what's what's exciting to me this year is the horn growth and the bucks that have been coming out of some of these western states this year is just incredible um, from Nevada Utah Colorado or not Colorado yet but Arizona things like that I mean the bucks have just been they've been amazing. So Colorado, for me, I have high hopes for that state this year. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things from the guys I know out there. They've, they've, uh, the bucks they've been watching have put on some serious horn growth this year, just the same as Nevada and Utah bucks have. So for me, I'm not crazy to think that, um, you know, a 200-incher is behind every tree in Colorado, but I definitely think a 180-inch deer is is possible, especially when I have um, a guy up there like Brady with me. I've, I've, find myself having more confidence knowing that brady's up there with me to to help turn up that 180 plus type deer so that's my uh that's i guess what's in my head that's what i'm after
0: how about you brady yeah
1: i'd pretty much you know mirror that i mean i just being you know in a backcountry situation i'm with the horn growth that we have i would be in colorado i'm probably gonna hold out for 180 deer as well i mean I'm, you know, opportunity guy. So if I do see, you know, that 170, 175 buck, as long as the buck looks really nice to me, you know, I love big fork deer and big tall deer, you know, kind of what Colorado's known for I'll, I'd be happy with that. You know, I'm just not, not going to be too picky, but I'm definitely excited to see what we're going to run into with all this moisture we've had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually still up in Colorado. I leave to head back to Arizona for elk season here in a couple days, and I can tell you we got here at the end of May, and, you know, May was extremely wet. Uh, June was wet. Uh, the first half of July was really wet, and, um, you know, the, the the high country looks phenomenal. Um, I would say some of the lower stuff around here is drying out, but um, it should be a great year. Um, those deer should should be, you know, doing really well and should be great antlers. So um, it's going to be exciting to see how you guys do. I want to dive into um, gear for you guys and um, uh, talk, you know, have each one of you kind of go through your gear list and uh, what you're taking and let's, you know, head to toe, uh, pack, tent, and let's let's cover everything.
1: Yeah, this is actually, it's a good question. We've been talking about this in the office quite a bit because, Brady and I are going on our backpack hunt this week for for archery um, in Colorado, and we have two other guys, uh, two other go hunt team members who are going to take off on a muzzleloader high country hunt. So we've kind of been bouncing ideas back and forth of what we're all taking in, and um, we've all kind of learned something new from each other. So this year for me, uh, Qu as always is going to be my my go to gear. I'm going to have the 145 uh, merino bottoms on with the attack pants. I feel like High country, um, it's going to get a little cold up there. I think our weather forecast right now is a little bit rainy and maybe sub freezing for the first couple days. Um, but I definitely think that's enough, enough layers for, for that kind of, for that kind of weather. Kuyu is, is awesome for keeping warm. So, um, that's all I'm taking from my bottoms and the tops. I'm going 185 quarter zip merino, um, with a down vest. I don't I don't usually wear a vest unless it's down, just because for me it's extra weight for not a lot of warmth unless it's the down, obviously. Um, and then a the spin drift down jacket on top of that in case it does get super cold and then a guide jacket on the outer shell. Um and then from there I run the QU NXT rain gear, which if it is raining I'm not concerned at all. So that's the good news about that. Um and then back, what? backpack for me is the I'm gonna take in the QU six thousand Pro this year i used that on my stone sheep hunt last year and I really like the way it functions. It's skinny on my back. Um, so when my, when you want to kind of turn side to side and your arms are flailing when you're trying to climb those big mountains, it's nice that you have full range of motion and you're not hitting your backpack and your backswing. So yeah, yep, that, that makes sense. Uh, Lorenzo, what boots are you, are you rolling? I run Kinetrek boots. They've, uh, they've been nothing but good to me. Um, I used them. Like I said, I was, I was stone sheep hunting last year and they were, Awesome. I, I ran into a big big issue with my old Kinetrex kind of falling apart right before the hunt, which, I mean, I had them for four years, so it was, it was my fault more than anything. I just didn't keep up my up on my gear before the hunt, and I contacted Kinetrek, and they overnighted me a pair of boots right before my hunt. They were extremely gracious in doing that for me, um, and I was a little bit worried about getting some hot spots and how my feet were going to hold up with brand-new boots, and I strapped those things on for a stone sheep hunt and never had one problem in 12 days.
0: Um, so now, now
1: those are my, those are my go-to.
0: Okay. And, um, uh, what about, uh, sleeping pad, um, uh, sleeping bag and tent? For me, sleeping
1: pad, I use the therm rest um, I apologize. I can't remember the exact model, but it's a, it's a two inch blow up mattress. Um, for me, my go-to, I've, I've got to sleep in the back country. So it's a little heavier than most ultralight guys but I got to get that good night's sleep. That's what keeps me going up there. And I don't mind to carry that extra extra bit of weight to, to sleep well. So when I go heavy, it's definitely on my sleeping system. And then I, I run a QU zero, to zero degree bag um, just so I can sleep in as little clothes as possible and kind of let my other clothes that I've worn throughout the day air out um, throughout the night. I know a lot of guys, you know, they, they run a 30 degree bag and where they're down inside, which I've done before and I don't mind it, but I just, I like letting my clothes air out and kind of being fresh the next day when I start going after animals.
0: And your tent or tarp? Tent. You,
1: I run the two man Kuyu Star, the, two, the star two man yeah, tent. Yeah.
0: Sorry, yeah. The Mountain
1: Star. Um, okay. And it, it weighs as much as a single man. So I don't, I don't, it's awesome to have the extra room they have a dual fly. So if it's like for me, when I wake up, I got my jet boil and coffee running on one side, completely covered. It's raining. I don't care. And then out the, I can roll out the other side, throw my boots on and go. Um, it's a, it's an awesome setup.
0: Great. Uh, Brady, what are you
1: rolling? A lot of the same stuff. I mean, I'm gonna switch it up, and I, you know, been contemplating bringing my Tiburon pants, but I think I'm gonna stick with the uh, Attack pants. After we saw the weather yesterday, I think he's gonna go Attack pants. Yeah, we might we might be seeing some freezing weather here, and uh, it's gonna be you know pretty nasty on the high going to probably rain tomorrow night, but so I got the Attack pants. I'm gonna be running the QU, uh Merino leggings underneath that, and I'm also uh, gonna be taking the uh, Super Down pants this time, just to you know sit their glass and. You always get miserable cold in the backcountry, so I'm gonna take that for uppers. I do a 145 merino long sleeve, and I cut, put that on top of a or on top of that, I have a 230 marina wool zip, and I'm also doing the uh, down vest, and I'm also doing a super down hooded. I feel like you know, I just I, I love all the super down products, so I, I double up on that because I once again I'm six foot five and you know pretty skinny dude, so I get cold really easily. But then I, I switch it up. I, I don't really run a soft shell like Lorenzo does with the Guy Jacket. I always, uh, right now, I'm running the Peloton as my outer layer. I feel like with that down combination I'm running the Peloton, I'm, you know, covered in a lot of situations. And then uh, this trip, I just actually got my new order of uh, the Ultra NX rain gear from Kuyu. So that's saved almost a pound off my rain gear setup. I used to run the Two Gatch, and now I'm running that lighter stuff. So. I think coupled with that and I'm doing you know bring some merino or not some merino, uh, some down mittens as well this time, just to you know, once again glass and be able to stay comfortable. He told me
0: that a day too late. After-
1: yeah, I was uh, gonna say, buddy. uh
0: Lorenz I might have to uh next day air my mitts to you. Yeah, I, I mean after we saw the weather,
1: he, he held that on me, didn't tell me that, that was his secret go to for glass and like <laughs> you know-
0: well, that's when when he finds a big buck. He's going to be like, your hands are too cold. You can't go exactly. after it. I
1: will. Hey, exactly. Jay, <laughs> yeah, you got to have some strategies up your sleeve when you're a tag team in the backcountry like that. So He might be taller than me, but I'm pretty stocky, so I might have to fight him for him.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it'll be an interesting conversation when that comes. Um, Brady, uh, what tent are you running?
1: I have a, a tarp tent. It's basically like a uh, just a regular tarp set up, like a, you know, a triangle frame, but also has a bathtub floor in it. So, you know, it keeps the rain out. It's like, a, it's a good three season tent. It's really, you know, long and low profile. So uh, I'm switching up this tent this time because it has more guy lines and I'm, you know, expecting a lot of wind in Colorado. It's kind of what I hear, like, you know, destroy tents in the backcountry. So I'm going to do a low profile tarp tent. And uh, I run the exact opposite set of Lorenzo does for a sleeping bag. I run the 30 degree bag and then I, uh, you know, throw down, down layers on when I get cold. So I just like that lightweight setup and and I run the uh, neo air X lite sleeping pad just going super light again and trying to stay comfortable but I'll, I'll always lean more towards lighter weight than comfort I just don't like carrying extra weight
0: besides for you know that's where him and I differ <laughs> and and uh, Brady what boots are you running
1: uh, I'm doing the same setup uh, I do a uh, really lightweight Solomon speed cross three uh, like cross-training shoes I'm a you know being a I'm I just love running and hiking in shoes. I feel like I'm so much lighter and faster and I, I mean, a lot of guys don't like that because you can get, you can hurt your ankles, but I feel like, you know, I, I scouted them all summer. I train in them, you know, kind of makes my ankles a little stronger. So I'm, I run the shoes just for lighter weight purposes and be able to feel rocks when I'm making stocks and to be able to, you know, just ease of moving through the train and other than a stiff boot.
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, the older I get, the more I go to a stiffer soled boot. and. Um, I, I like you used to run real lightweight shoes and over time it's kind of caught up with me a little bit, you know, my feet, you know, I've got a little bit of issues, a little bit of plantar fasciitis with my feet. And, and, um, so I'm sure you're younger than me, but I'm sure as time goes by, you'll probably end up having to probably go to a stiffer boot, but that's cool that you can still run the, uh, lightweight, uh, uh, shoe and probably just dance around compared to, lorenzo and i that are probably wearing you know three three pound boots but exactly you know it's a trade-off it is Um, it definitely
1: especially when you get that morning dew in the morning you know my feet get soaked and i don't run gore Tex, so it's you know it has this definitely downsides to it compared to a leather boot like lorenzo's running but he's that uh, he's that lightweight extremist i mean in in the office his nickname is the spider monkey just because of the kind of stocks he can go on and how fast he gets it done and and when he cuts that much weight off he just cruises through the backcountry
0: I've seen him. Um, I actually got to witness him uh, execute a javelina, and it was uh, done flawlessly and snuck right up there on him. And not that javelina are the sharpest critters in the in the in the field, but he, I mean, he literally snuck right up on this thing and, and shot it down in Mexico. Sure, so it, was it happened g- faster than you thought it was going to, as well. Oh yeah! It had not only that, but he had it uh, packed up and and back to Jason and, and Brendan and I uh, very quickly. And uh, not it was it was it was a perfect execution. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> not um, guys, I know for ten days now. Um, uh, where exactly are you going to camp in the first spot as far as elevation, and and how does that relate to where you think the closest water is, and, and how are you going to handle that? Oh,
1: that's a that's you're asking the million dollar question right now. We have three routes we're talking about, and I'm sure we're going to have lots of conversation on the on the truck ride out there. We feel really confident with all three. Um, there's the 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 main trek we are going to go on to cut off the most distance so we can get in there in glass uh, when the sun comes up. The, the hiking trail puts us right in the main drainage. Um, kinda, it, it's, it's a little bit – it skirts up the, the cliff side, but it, it kind of gets into that timbery willow stuff, and um, we're getting pretty nervous looking at it more and more on Google Earth that we're going to blow something out of there when the, before the sun comes up. Um, so we started picking some new uh, routes to go on. A couple of them are longer and a couple of them are a lot more steep, so we're trying to figure it out. But as it sits right now, um, I think when we hike in there, we th- we're going to take off Wednesday night, like I said, around midnight, 1 a.m., which should get us to the first saddle fairly early mm-hmm. um, before it drops into that main drainage we want to hunt. But I think we might just stop there, um, take yeah. a quick nap, eat some quick food, let our feet rest, let our backs rest wait for the sun to come up, and start glassing that, that drainage from that angle, because once we go in, we'll never have that angle again. So we're thinking it might be smart just to stop there, start glassing, make sure that our camp spot that we did pick out, which is on a on a high mountain lake, basically, so that we, we know we're going to a place with no shortage of water. Um, so we might just stop there, glass, and make sure we're really making the right decision when we take off through that main drainage.
0: Mm-hmm. So in other words, you're going to get there, clear the basin before you literally clear it by walking through it. You're going to make sure that there's not a shooter buck or, or two that you, that you're going to blow out. As, as of like an hour ago, yes. Yeah, we've been changing that yeah. back and forth the whole time. Him and I.
1: Yeah. And I, you
0: only have about 12 hours to change the plan eight more times. Yeah. it's
1: probably going to happen the way the way I am. I mean, I this kind of stuff just stays on my mind. It's the kind of stuff I love to think about. So. I mean, today, we, him and I both have, obviously, a lot of stuff to get done before we're out of the office and out of touch for 12 days total. So, um, needless to say, I don't think I got much done today because this is what's been on my mind the entire time.
0: That's awesome. So, the, the plan of attack is to do that, but then get to the high mountain lake where you're going to set up um, where you'll have plenty of water. And then uh, I, I take it that you've got several ridges that you can access from this, this high country camp. Um, and look into several basins, or will you pretty much be focused on one? Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll let Brady uh, get into the nitty-gritty of that because, I mean, he it's amazing the kind of stuff he turns up on Google Earth. He wrote an unbelievable article um, for Insiders about how to use Google Earth in its full power. Um, but, yeah, I, I, we were talking basically, and, and Brady went to work and figured out this spot that uh, it's got ample amounts of ridges, Tons of, you know, lots of canyon heads are all coming up to one pretty central spot. So we're not going to have to cover a lot of a a lot of ground
0: once we're up there to to glass them. But I'll let uh, Brady talk kind of how he figured that out. Yeah, and I I would like to add that, um, Brady, I know you and I have talked. uh, I do want to do a podcast episode uh, sometime when you get back and just do a total episode on Google Earth and let you uh, probably walk me through. I'll be on my computer and and I use Google Earth, but I know I can learn some stuff from you. So I think that'll be a great episode that people will look forward to. Yeah, I'm
1: totally looking forward to that. Uh, the way uh, I kind of found this camp spot is, well, we obviously have, you know, a small little lake we can camp at, but I don't plan on doing any glassing really from there. I just want that aspect for water and also for, you know, shelter from wind and any of the elements we might be facing. So a lot of the spot it's kind of perfect because in multiple different ways we can go, we have like a 30 minute hike, you know, to get back up on the ridge to glass. And from there, you know, just another five, 10 minutes down that ridge, we're glassing two other basins. So we have like a, basically a big like pyramid spot. I can get up onto and is in a very, very short period of time. Just scoot down one part of the, the triangle, come back to the central part, glass another basin, come down the other central part and all re- relatively close to our camp too, you know, so we don't, I don't really want to camp in the same basin. I'm, I'm figuring these bucks are going to be I – mean, all, all my change are get up there. Like I said, we never step foot in this spot. But basically looking at, you know, what the east-facing, west-facing aspects are, kind of where I'm expecting these bucks to be, I, I feel like we have a pretty good pretty good plan of attack where we camp and how to get to these basins as effectively as possible. And, you know, I'm not, not opposed to, you know, maybe making a gear stash partway through and like maybe spiking out a couple nights and getting way away from our main campsite to, you know, really locate some more of these bucks in like remote canyons. Cause we're going to be up there and, you know, we're going to need to find some bucks in two days of scouting before, before Saturday comes. So it should be really good. And, you know, I've got a lot of flat spots already marked in my GPS that looks like it has water right next to it. You know, I've, i always utilize the, uh, the historical imagery and I always scroll back to snowfields I always feel like snowfields are great to, you know, Key in on where the snowfields are at because if you have a snowfield, it's still there in July on your old Google Earth image. You probably have a pretty good shot of it being in there late August, and you know that's going to hold some water. And Colorado's loaded with water, so I'm not really totally concerned about that. But it's kind of some things I was looking for when I was you know hunting in Nevada. He, yeah, he. I mean, the second he came into my office saying he found where to hunt, I mean, he utilizes all those tools on Google Earth about the sunrise and sunset where the, you know, the first canyons and first faces to get light and those types of things, those east, east and west facing slope, north and south facing slopes. And when he came in and was showing me, it, I I mean, it's like, I, I don't know if there's an, any better spot on this, in this unit or on this mountain that you could possibly hunt. Because like he said, this pyramid scheme, no matter what's going on or where we find these bucks, there's always a way to get the proper angle on them.
0: That's awesome. Brady, um, uh, educate me a little bit on your idea of where your bucks will be. Will they be pretty much in the open um, all day? Will they go into the timber or you'll be above timber line? Uh, you know, will they be on the North Slope, South Slope? east? You've said that. Tell me what you expect the bucks to be uh, without even having been up there. From, you know, what I've kind of gathered from some of the high country stuff I've done,
1: I always – I'm a big fan. I never like glassing uphill. I I don't know how some guys do it. I always like being way above bucks and glassing down in them as much as possible. So a lot of us yeah, might be glassing, you know, quite a long distance away, but at least we're going to be above the bucks glassing down in. I like glassing down into the willows, glassing down into the timber. Um, I'm big on, you know, any east-facing aspect. I love, it seems like the east-facing aspect, you know, gets a little bit more moisture and holds a little bit more groceries, and that usually tends to hold deer in there. You know, morning feed and I normally bed right near there too. So I'm looking at, you know, a lot of, a lot of big timber strips that also have, you know, willows close by. So they have good feed and obviously good cover right next to it. And, you know, I, I really like the east facing canyons that also have, you know, that are really tight and not really like, not a, you know, giant area to glass over to you have to work over such a large, you know, Mountainside in a short amount of time in the morning, and I'd rather you know glass a short little canyon, you know pick it apart in, you know thirty minutes, and then you know pack up my spotting scope and everything and move down the move down the ridge a little bit and glass up another aspect really quickly, just so you can get in all those little pockets because you never really know, you know the willows could be too tall for a buck and all of a sudden you can't see him and there's you know those timbers and little folds and so I just try to you know utilize a lot of glassing in the morning, a lot of moving. If I don't find a deer, I'm going to be moving and trying to find a new a new way to you know glass in there because. They, you know, do you yeah. feel
0: do you feel like these deer, these high country deer, if they're there and they're feeding, you're going to see them and so by glassing if you don't see them, you feel like by by moving yourself, you're actually covering way more country because you're going to see them if they're there. Exactly. That's the, I mean, if
1: I I feel like we we can see them with two spotters especially and you know, covering the terrain we need to cover to try to find a bucks that's never been in there, we're going to I feel we need to be, you know, picking it apart as best we can from the highest angle we can find that offers us, you know, that a good vantage point into the thick stuff and then moving down the drainage right away. I feel like we need, we need to cover, cover the distance and, you know, find that core area. Cause if they, if they're not there, we're going to figure that out really fast. And if we don't see does, we don't see, you know, small run bucks. We're going to, you know, you know, it's not probably a big one in there. We're going to have to, you know, check on a new spot.
0: Okay. You hit something there that I got a question. If you're seeing quite a few does and, Quite a few small bucks. Is that a, not a place that a high country buck hunter wants to be looking? Do you want to be finding, you know, bucks? Obviously, this time of year they're up. But um, if you're seeing a lot of does, does that immediately give you a, a red flag? Yeah, I was
1: I always call it a uh, hunt in the nursery because uh, you you sit there and look over a spot and all you see are does and you know fawns and maybe little spikes and little small forks here and there. You're you're in the nursery. You're in the you know safe uh doe zone area you're not in that high country bachelor buck group you know like I feel I feel like I just if, I, if you find a lot of does you need you need to kind of move on there's not going to really be a big buck in the area maybe every now and then you know you obviously glass up a spot and there'll be a big buck in the bachelor group and there'll be a doe or two sticking in there you know as extra eyes but you see a lot of does and a lot of like four corns and three points you know you probably think about moving on or maybe getting up a little higher maybe you're a little too low and you know gain some
0: elevation and glass a new area out have you noticed that deer, um, you know, do they like cliff lines? Do they like to bed below cliff lines? Or are there certain characteristics where if you walked into a basin, you like, I hope there has, or I hope this is in the basin. Is there something that you, you just, you key in on? I,
1: I really like, uh, you know, cliff edges and anything that would uh, enable me as a bow hunter to get close. So I, in, in scouting this out, I found a lot of good cliffs and right below the cliffs, there's ample amounts of groceries. So, I mean, there's good willows or good feed right in there. And that's kind of like he honest, try to find the, try to find cliffs, try to find boulders, anything, you know, for a bow hunter is going to allow me to get closer and also have, you know, a good, a good chance that a deer is going to still hold in there throughout the day and not just maybe feed there in the morning and then, you know, work a quarter mile away to his bedding area. I want them to be able to, you know,
0: be there kind of all day. That's kind of the terrain I like to,
1: you know, focus on.
0: Is it typical in the high country to have a buck up feeding and have him bed pretty much within, you know, 10 yards of where you see him or do do they move a lot?
1: Yeah, I I have seen it totally both ways. Uh a lot of stuff I have uh in Nevada you see him in the morning, they're going to bed in that same spot. They're going to be there in the evening. They work the same ab shoots all the time. So I haven't really seen a, a, a ton of movement, but you know, I have seen uh you know, buck I was watching last year, he moved I believe it was like a quarter mile to a half mile. He always made a big loop in the basin every day. He was always in this high stuff early in the morning. And then his bed spot was totally down the bottom, moving way away, getting out of the sun as much as he could. So, I mean, they. I,
0: I would think that um, if a, if a deer stays in one little spot, it could be difficult depending on the spot. But if you get quite a bit of movement and you watch them enough, you could probably make some predictions as an uh, ambush spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ambushing is going to, I'm really hope we can utilize an ambush tactic up here because the, the terrain from what I'm looking at, you know, scouting it on Google earth, it, it looks like it's going to be a good spot to ambush, especially all these little like ab shoots. So I've scouted out the bucks are going to be in and, you know, moving up to their bedding area. And,
0: but I want to ask you both, sorry, Brady. Oh uh, no,
1: I'd rather much rather take, take a buck in its bed though. I'd rather, you know, have a buck looking away, totally snoozing out rather than him walking around and, You know, doing that rather rather shooting from
0: their bed as much as possible, but
1: we
0: gotcha, 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 guys. We're going to take a quick break here and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back, guys. Gohunt.com Insider has been the title sponsor of this podcast uh, from the beginning, and I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to win a free $50 KUYU gift card when you join Insider. All you have to do is go to www.gohunt.com forward slash Insider, find and click on the blue Join Now button, use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout, and they will send you the $50 KUYU gift card. I wanted to give you guys a chance to listen to Dave Losher, the head of the Go Hunt Insider, when he's talking about the species profile inside the GoHunt.com Insider. Let's hear from Dave right now.
2: We also have our state species profiles, and within these profiles, you'll have the ability to see exactly which counties are producing the best bucks or bulls in the state, as well as breaking it down into a unit by unit basis. And under these species profiles right here, you can select a a particular species you might have interest in, let's just say it's uh, Let's just say it's elk. We can click right here on elk species, and it'll show the different states where that species is offered. We'll click Nevada, and on the right-hand side here, within the map, you can see, and I'll expand it right here for better view, it'll show the different units that apply and offer big-game hunting for the species of elk. And within this profile, a quick summary about the elk and the situation within that state. The news, the notes, and alerts that talks about maybe some current things that have happened under the state of Nevada right here, the percentage of harvested bulls with at least six points on one antler. The number of tags offered across the state for residents and non-residents for that particular species. For Boone and Crockett, we've actually pulled down the typical and the non-typical and broke them into two different categories right here. The number of entries, county by county. Now, additionally, we're gonna go in a little bit deeper here and we've actually broken it down on a unit by unit basis. Within this particular county, you can see these units are the units that re- that lie within that county. Even if a portion of that unit is in there, it's going to be featured right here, and you can actually select that given unit, and it will hyperlink you right into that exact unit profile. On the right-hand side of the species profile, you're going to be able to see uh, some photos. These photos are valuable. It gives you a general idea of exactly what type of trophy you could hope for and exactly what, what the genetics may be in that given state.
0: Okay, guys, um, you've told me about a lot of your gear. I'm curious about your optics, binos, spotting scopes, tripods, uh, digiscoping. Tell me what you're, what you're both bringing.
1: I, I love the Zeiss, um, diascope 85 millimeter. I use an angled scope, especially in this high country, um, high country hunts. You can always manipulate it to get the proper angles and, and never really have to skyline yourself to look over the top of something or around, you know, around the, uh, top of a ridgeline so I love those those angled spotters and they're like I said their glass is pretty incredible from what I've seen so far I started using it about two years ago and I've just fell in love with it and I also um this last weekend I was just on an antelope hunt just a quick trip up in northern Nevada uh took a really nice buck it was a it was a fun hunt something to, definitely good to get ready for this uh this deer hunt but I just got the the new uh Zeiss 10x42 range finding binoculars and I'm amazed at uh, the the distance it picks up. I'm sure a lot of people have had the, the same issue as I have, especially antelope hunting, but those rangefinders are really tough to pick up very minuscule objects, like an antelope standing in the middle of a field. And I was blown away at, at the ranges it was giving me and the accuracy of it. Um, and I basically fell in love with them last weekend. So I'm definitely bringing those into uh, definitely bringing those into the high country and not necessarily for ranging the deer when I'm getting ready to take the shot, but it's always nice to to range how far you are away from an animal. When you, when you take off on your ascent or descent just to, so you can try to pace it off and in your head, you're always pacing it off, kind of running the math of when you need to slow it down and you're starting to get in that danger zone. So um, I, I have nothing but confidence in, in uh, the distance it picks up. So that's why I'm bringing those.
0: And tripod? Are you taking one or not? I,
1: I put those on a tripod. Obviously, I'm I'm a huge tripod glasser. That's basically the only way I like to glass. Um, my hands. I'm a pretty. Everybody makes fun of me in the office. I'm a pretty shaky individual already. I don't have very steady hands. <laughs> I could I could never be a surgeon. Uh, I don't eat. I don't either. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is. I've just kind of always had a. I've always had shaky hands. So for me, I, a tripod and a dead rest with a rifle or what i mean that's kind of what i have to do so i run an outdoorsman's uh medium that super light tripod uh
0: i throw do you have the new the new pan head, or I do, using I, a I do have the
1: new pan head. i ran into uh i believe his name's cody um at the at the uh Y show in arizona and he was showing me the the uh new setup and i fell in love with it purchased it and that's what i'm running for this hunt um, I throw those 10 by 42s on there. I feel like I can pick part of canyons pretty well. Awesome. How about you, Bray? Pretty similar setup. I run the uh, also the 85 millimeter Zeiss Dioscope. Um, you know, I just I fell in love with angles. It's for the same reason he does. I just you know love big glass. And even though so it is a weight. You know, I'm, I talk about ultralight stuff all the time. I'm big and you know cutting cutting ounces, but then I carry these giant spotting scopes and a giant DSLR camera. I just feel like you know, you're, you're useless without your optics. So biggest glass I can carry in the, in the backcountry is what I'm going to do. So I run the 85 miller spotting scope. I got a 1556 binos I'll run off the tripod. And uh, then I also carry a Zeiss 10x42 uh, on my on my chest just for when I'm making the stock and, you know, trying to pick apart an antler in the, in the brush when I'm, you know, getting in close. So uh, uh, Then I run a, a slick carbon... Fiber tripod with the Vanguard head. It's just a really light setup for me. I've always, you know, run that
0: for quite a few years now. But just, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big glass fan. Awesome, yeah, I am too. I'm kind of partial to having good glass. It, 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 it'll in my in my mind, it makes or breaks a hunt. And um, so it's good. So you guys will be well armed with um, good uh, glass. Um, what bows are you guys shooting?
1: I'm I actually just bought Brady and I both just, uh, we switched over to Hoyt this year
0: and I, I'm running a, uh,
1: uh, 34 carbon spider and I'm, I'm running the 80 pound limbs. I think Brady, Brady's my go-to bow shop. I, you know, everything, everything I do in the archery world goes to him because he's, he's, you know, he's so thorough with it all, but he's got me pulling, I believe, 78 pounds, um, shooting full metal jacket arrows. And, uh, I got the I got a 30 inch draw, so this is by far the fastest shooting bow I've ever had, and I'm very confident with it. i just I was telling Brady was in the office this morning. I was out shooting it at 70 yards before I got into the office, and it was just, I mean, the the arrows were just flying unbelievably flat, which is something I'm not used to, and it's giving me some pretty good confidence. And so, you get really good penetration too. And really, really good penetration heavy too. full metal jackets with that 78 pounds. So I'm uh, I'm excited to run this bow for the first time. It's um, yeah, it's it's boosted my confidence for sure.
0: That's awesome. What heads are you guys
1: shooting? I'm shooting. Friday? I shoot the, the fixed G5 Montex. I run a hundred grains on them. It's. I don't know. I've, I'm kind of superstitious, not really, and I I I am, I guess, um, especially with equipment that has worked for me in the past. And those G5s I haven't had an issue with, so I've really never changed since they came out. Brady. Yeah, I use a uh, Hoyt Nitrum 34 long draw. I'm the, uh, you know, guy who never can fit into a bow. So this uh, this Hoyt's really great having a long draw because I have a 32 inch draw length, and I run uh, 80 80 pound limbs, and uh, yeah, really stout setup. Shooting 440 grain arrow. I have a, you know, my, I'm a micro diameter guy, so I shoot a carbon. Where Lorenzo shoots the carbon, uh, or aluminum carbon composite. So I have a I have an outsert on the end of my arrow, 32 grain outsert that kind of a you know makes it a little so the arrow the broadhead section is a little fatter than what the arrow is. So you get increased penetration and I shoot a uh, three uh Muzzy Trocar, 100 grain. Again, I'm kind of one of those guys who I you know I like I like accuracy, but I'm not quite confident in myself with the mechanicals. You know I've played around with mechanicals every now and then, but still I've always you know loved the
0: you know the reliability of a
1: fixed blade.
0: And Brady, you're someone that shoots a lot, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I kind of, uh, I burned through some strings and burned through definitely some D loops and, uh, you know, love, love, testing gear, you know, I'm the type of guy who, you know, builds my own, builds my own tuning stuff, builds my own, you know, if I can't, if I can't get an arrow rest that works for me, I'll custom an arrow rest, you know, make, grab three arrow companies and put all their parts together to, you know, make something that works for me. And I, I, I honestly like it <laughs> blows me away with how much he knows about this archery stuff. And another thing MacGyver. for me, just like those, just like those down gloves, I had him build my arrows for me and okay. talking to him about broadheads and, and you know, what's, what's the best for lining up the broadhead, the broadhead blades with my veins or what's going on. And he's saying, Oh, it shouldn't matter too much, but I shoot a four vein setup. So it really doesn't matter for me. I'm like well, why don't you think a four bing set
0: something
1: else he hit from me. yeah uh, so you know i set him up with standard three fletch when i run a four fletch
0: i if i were you lorenzo if if he finds a buck and says i got a good one if i were you i might say okay um why don't you go after it and uh, cuz he might be having a big one under his uh, up his sleeve uh, a, a little bit to the left or right of where he's going to send you no kidding Not trusting the guy for anything nowadays. (laughs) Um, Knowing you guys, you probably shoot in your office um, if if it was allowable there at Goon.com. Off, I mean, off off, the record. Off (laughs) off the record. We maybe. Don't worry. There's only a half a million people listening. (laughs) Maybe we have
1: had a couple bow
0: shooting competitions during lunchtime. Maybe, 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 yep, yep.
1: I'm not saying we have. Definitely, I'm just saying maybe we have.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, guys, I, am really excited to hear how you do. And one question I will have is if you shoot a deer, deer early, one of you, um, is, is the plan for one of you to pack it down and, and, and then come back up or what, what's your thoughts on that? The early indication is
1: yes. And it's Brady, even if because that, <laughs> that guy can cover country, like no other, um, the other, the other, the other, uh, we've thought about it quite a bit. Um, it's going to be fairly cool. Um, the other nice thing, obviously, if we kill a buck early, it'd be nice to have some nice protein dinners going forward. Yeah. Uh, so I would, yeah. I would doubt it'd be like the next day or that night, maybe a couple of days later if it's starting to heat up and we're worried about that velvet or or hide slipping. Um, but we definitely have it on top of mind, and it's already been voted that it's Brady going out. If <laughs> I
0: if I go out, I'm coming back in with an elk tag, so. <laughs> So you're saying, Lorenzo, it was a unanimous decision? <laughs> exactly.
1: yeah. Yeah. That's the other cool thing Brady just brought up. There's over-the-counter elk tags in our, our area, too, and we've heard of some pretty good bulls in there. So technically, if the hunt goes wildly well, uh, we might go
0: back in for some, for some bulls, too. Golly, you're, you guys are lucky I'm not going. If I'd probably hear the first bugle and off I'd go down there chasing, chasing a five-point bull. I'm actually for sure. kind of nervous because it's I, I haven't
1: had an elk tag in a while. I mean, obviously, you, once you start drawing elk tags and getting elk tags, they disappear for a while afterwards. Um, so with the first bugle I hear, I'm kind of nervous. I might be more focused on that than trying to turn up some deer.
0: Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, guys, it's been an awesome interview. Um, Lorenzo, tell me what it's like having Brady work for you. Yeah, he's... He's a. I would even
1: say I don't even think he works for me. He's he works with me. He's a he's an awesome guy. He anything you give this guy he gets it done. That's what I absolutely love about him. Having him on the team, we always call him the our soldier in the office. No matter what's on his plate or how busy we get or overwhelmed, he always finds time to get it done. Plus, he always find finds time to get out of the office and you know make us look good with how much he knows on archery hunts and. The kind of work he puts in with his actual hunting and his hunting capabilities so he's i mean he's uh got a very bright future with gohan that's for sure he's uh just accountable and you know very trustworthy so i very much enjoy it and like i said earlier on the podcast going into this hunt with brady that actually boosts my confidence Uh, obviously i've had other hunting partners in my day but this is the first true hunt that brady and i are kind of going on teamwork team bases trying to peel this thing out and figure it out as best as possible and it's probably the most confidence I've had going into a hunt.
0: Awesome, Brady. What's it like working working with a guy like Lorenzo? I mean, he makes it definitely makes you feel like
1: family right away. It's a, you know, it makes those days when you uh, you know feel like you just showed up to the office and you look at your watch and it's already three o'clock and you're like, how did this day to go by so fast? You know, it's just being able to bounce ideas around with guys in the office and you know get you know, creative decisions for, you know, assigning articles and, you know, support of, you know, I want to write this article and they're totally fine with it and we roll with it. It's, you know, great to have that and just be able to, you know, every day look forward to, you know, showing up to work and, you know, putting in the time and, you know, seeing the outcome it does and seeing the reaction for people who, you know, read our articles on the website and, you know, dive into the good insider content and it's fun. It's fun being a, you know, part of a, you know, family here and, you know, It's
0: enjoyable. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, guys, uh, I want to finish this episode and ask you if there's a couple of particular things that each of you will have in the backcountry, and there maybe there isn't, um, that maybe is maybe different or maybe that some people don't have, or is there any little – Anything that you guys are taking that that uh, is somewhat abnormal? Yeah, and
1: it's 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 funny you ask because we actually like almost got into a borderline argument uh, today in the office with uh, with the other group of guys who are going on that muzzleload backpack trip. So my go-to, and I, just, I it makes me feel like I can solve a lot of issues in the backcountry, and it's it's light gets me through a lot of a lot of problems. Usually, is electrical tape, um, whether it's a something a, a my tent pole breaking, wrap it up with, with uh, electrical tape, obviously dealing with, with uh, um, putting an animal in a game bag and electrical tape and it closed. You never have to worry about um, velvet getting messed up or, or hide getting messed up, anything like that. And I just feel like it it solves a lot of problems. If your tripod head breaks, you can strap it straight down to the tripod again with that stretchy elastic sticky uh, feel to it. So that's kind of my, my go-to and, um, I got, I think, outvoted in the office that that wasn't the most important thing, and so I had to defend my my standpoint pretty heavily. I
2: feel like I did a pretty good job
1: with it too. How about you, Brady? Uh, well, I got I got two things. I mean, uh, you can't have backcountry without without coffee, so I feel like coffee can solve a lot of world problems. Um, <laughs> this guy drinks like eight coffees a day too, by the way.
0: And he's skinny as a rail, too. Yeah. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on exactly. it.
1: <laughs> so, we, so we have that going for me. And, uh, you know, pretty much you look at any piece of my gear, and if I can get it in titanium, I will have it in titanium. And I don't know. I just feel like I, anything I can have titanium, make it lightweight, I'm going to do it. You know, you know, I have a jet stove, but it's a customized jet stove with a titanium, you know, burner on top of a, you know, other little screen to help make it more fuel efficient and you know i'm just a you know if it's there's there's ways to make everything better and i feel like titanium kind of solves that so i'm uh you know when it comes to gear
0: junkies that's lightweight durable strong it's it's just what i need i'd like to see a picture of that i'm looking forward to seeing a picture you know uh one thing i forgot here and i think if i didn't um ask it i think it would be uh uh bad on my part um let's cover real fast um uh, the food, food you're going to take for a 10-day trip. This is also where him and I differ heavily. Uh, <laughs> along,
1: along with the sleeping setup, I, I'm a big fan of eating well in the backcountry and never feeling like truly you have to ration, just in case you go on a couple big stocks and maybe it didn't work out your way and you expended a lot of energy and and energy's down, morale's down. I feel like a good meal and a nap can, can fix a lot of those issues, especially with a comfortable bed like I was talking about before. Um, so my, I pack one and a half mountain houses a day. Um, that's my, that's my go-to just in, like I said, if I have a, a big energy spin day, I'll eat one for lunch and one for dinner. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of the, the, um, what are they called? The pro bars, pro bars. Pro bars yeah. yeah. The, the meal, the replacement, meal replacement pro bars. Um, okay. They have a really good, my favorite flavor on the planet, even when, when I'm at home is coconut. And they have an amazing chocolate coconut flavor. That, that's, my, that's my go-to for sure.
0: So you, you have two of those a day, um, Lorenzo, or one? Two Pro Bars a day,
1: meal replacement Pro Bars a day. Um, they're right. super lightweight. I usually eat one for breakfast um, and then one midday. On a day that I obviously don't have a mountain house, I'll eat one midday. Um, and, then, and then when do you eat your mountain houses? At night. I, I keep them at night ex- like except for those big spin days. I'll eat one for lunch as well. Um, Okay, and what
0: flavor Mountain House do you like the best, Lorenzo?
1: My go-to is sweet and sour pork. I love it. Okay, love it. That's my uh, that's my favorite one. Okay, Brady. Yeah, here's where we differ again. is the guy who likes the big, the big two-serving Mountain Houses, and I'm the guy who likes the little Mountain House Pro Packs, little tiny, you know, lightweight vacuum-sealed thing. So I'm a Mountain House guy for dinner. I'm a big fan of chili mac, beef stroganoff, you know. Anything, chicken and rice, just kind of switch it up every now and then. Those are kind of my three three staples. That's why he's skinny as a rail.
0: Uh, I was going to say, Lorenzo, you and I are going to get along real good. And, uh... <laughs> I, I'm a simple guy. I like to eat sleep well. If I can do things, I can hunt for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you guys take any kind of candy bars or any any type of sugar stuff? Uh, pretty. The, the only thing I would take is like you know an electrolyte supplement.
1: I do like wilderness athlete. You know, hydrate and recover. Okay. Those pro bars, those chocolate coconut pro bars, why I like them. That's a good point. Why I like them is they're sweet enough. I I feel I don't really have cravings for those candy bar, um, energy spikes. I feel like I get that from that chocolate coconut pro bar.
0: Cool. Good stuff. That's, that's great stuff. Well, guys, you're uh, about to embark on a great adventure and I can't wait to hear how it goes on the back end. And, um, uh, just, uh, you guys have a ball up there and enjoy each other's company and I hope you get a couple nice bucks and uh, maybe come out and get an elk or two so um, it's been great having you guys on and I look forward to seeing the pictures and um, you know Brady I always admire um, your trips because you you know you capture all kinds of photos of of, of the whole adventure and so um, I'm looking forward to that I appreciate it Jay yeah, I
1: appreciate it. it's always fun being on the podcast with you and when we get back we're we're all up for jumping back on and sharing our story and what we experienced so hopefully we that's that awesome off.
0: yeah and Lorenzo I want to thank you personally for um, being a sponsor of the podcast and the title sponsor and really the backbone behind this podcast and you know when I started back in February I had no idea really that it was going to have the success that it's had and I just have to say, with your support, uh, you know, you're know, you the backbone of, behind this podcast, and I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I mean, uh,
1: on, on my side, I believed in the podcast from the beginning with your knowledge and, and the people you know in the industry and the things you've been able to do. So it's been awesome being a part of it and watching it grow, and um,
0: I love listening to it, and I know a lot of other people do, too. So thanks for putting it on for us. You got it, guys. Well, have a great hunt, and we'll see you on the backside, okay? Yeah, take care, good. Jay. Thank you, Jay. Guys, I want to tell you about one of the sponsors of this podcast. Deadeyeoutfitters.com is a lifestyle hunting apparel company for hunters by hunters. Check out episode 45 of this podcast with one of the owners and you'll see what I mean. Deadeye Outfitters makes quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. Deadeye Outfitters has the only license for creating Boone and Crockett apparel. Use the J. Scott promo code and receive a 10% discount on all purchases at DeadeyeOutfitters.com.